From the CQ Roll Call Newsroom in Washington, this is the Week Ahead podcast, your nonpartisan news source for how Congress and the federal government shape the real world. President Donald Trump blistered congressional Republicans in a speech in Phoenix on August 22nd, threatening to shut down the government if they don't fund a border wall and demanding that they end the Senate filibuster. I'm Sean Zeller. My guest today, Lindsay McPherson, covers the House of Representatives for Roll Call and wrote a piece this week analyzing the fallout on Capitol Hill, which we will discuss today. Welcome, Lindsay. Thanks for having me. Let's start with this border wall. Um, Why is Trump's demand causing problems for congressional Republicans? Well, it's been long known that Democrats are firmly opposed to the border wall and funding the border wall. This was an issue back when they were negotiating the fiscal 2017 omnibus this spring. Ultimately, they struck a deal that did not include funding for the border wall, giving Democrats a win. And Trump pretty much right after that um, threatened via tweet that we might need a good September shutdown to fix this mess. And in that tweet, he was talking about the mess of the Senate that Democrats in the Senate can hold up the legislative process through the filibuster. And so he was saying we either need to elect more Republicans to the Senate or we need to get rid of the filibuster. Mm -hmm. And then since then, he's talked about getting rid of the filibuster. And he hasn't repeated the shutdown threat until that speech in Phoenix. Um, But he is. And the border wall is an important campaign priority to him. He was talking about that nonstop on the trail even though he said Mexico would pay for the wall. Right. What happened to that? Why isn't Mexico paying for it? Well, (laughs) the president of Mexico said pretty quickly after the campaign he wouldn't pay for it. Um, Trump still contends at times, though he hasn't said this as much recently, that they will pay us back, but we just need to get it started. I want to get it up. He has a secret plan to get them to pay for it. (laughs) Yeah, unknown plan. And in the interim, he just wants to get it up and running. Um, And. This is an issue because Democrats in the Senate can stop any spending bill. Um, there's a 60-vote requirement. The filibuster requires that in the Senate. And so that's why Trump raised that issue. Um, but why are congressional Republicans wary of the fight? I mean, they view it as a losing battle that the public won't like a shutdown of the government? Yeah, I mean, they It is a losing battle. Republicans control the government right now. They have the White House, the House, and the Senate. To not be able to keep the government open, which is just a basic function of governments, will reflect poorly on the party. Um, The Republicans, even when they didn't have the presidency back in 2013, had wanted to, conservatives specifically, had wanted to defund Obamacare. And they managed to shut down the government over that. And Republicans sort of blame without full control. Now with full control and the only people stopping them are what Trump will complain about, eight Democrats who control the Senate. There's no way that Republicans don't bear the blame. And, you know, going into the midterms, Trump doesn't have to worry about that. But House and Senate Republicans do. And they're wary of that. So and the filibuster and the problem is solved. Why does Senator Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader in the Senate say that's not going to happen? Well, it's a slippery slope. Uh, The Senate has already changed its rules on the filibuster to accommodate nominations to try to move those through quickly. The idea that was something that the Democrats did in 2013, right? Right. So uh, the idea of doing and Republicans derided them at the time, to be clear um, about But they've maintained (laughs) that change. They did maintain the change. um, And And they added to it on the Supreme Court. Right. So I think for nominations, they felt like the ball was open. But they, you know, Mitch McConnell has basically said that 
the legislative filibuster is a bridge too far, that that is key to the functioning of the Senate. Um, it's it's meant to be a s- slow, deliberative body. And the whole idea is like, you know, you don't rush through big legislation and the Senate's kind of the stopping ground where you can have this big debate and kind of take a pause and feel. And that's kind of actually what happened with the Obamacare bill, even though they were doing that through mm-hmm. um, reconciliation and trying to speed it through. And that wasn't a filibuster issue. But they don't want to fully erode the history and the constitutional setup of the Senate. Right. And he feels the minority needs to have power because he sees a potential in the future, uh, if history is any guy, that Republicans will be in the minority at some point. Right. right. If they make this change today, it's done. It's, you know, when they're in the minority, Democrats aren't going to be taking it back and making the change. So they know that and, and the Senate flips decently frequently, you know, between power and Republicans and Democrats. And so they don't want to, yeah, ruin their chances in the future. So, Lindsay, you cover the House for us. Um, Much of the focus of late has been on the dispute between Trump and some Senate Republicans like McConnell and John McCain, who voted against the health care repeal bill, and Jeff Flake, the, uh, the other Arizona senator who's been critical of President Trump. What is Trump's relationship with House Republicans? It's a lot more cordial and even congenial at this point. I mean, he and Speaker Ryan talk frequently about the agenda. Um, Ryan will still from time to time condemn things that Trump says, but he doesn't ever do it as a like personal attack on the president. So, for example, with... The president's Charlottesville remarks, Speaker Ryan came out and said it's very important to denounce racism and bigotry and white supremacists in no uncertain terms. But he never said Trump like he never attacked Trump over that, that the farthest he went was asked during a CNN town hall on Monday about it. He said Trump messed up in his Tuesday remarks by trying to backtrack and say that very fine people on both sides um, but that's as far as he would go. So it, the Republicans on the House side, in leadership particularly, have not attacked Trump. Um, the only members in the rank and file who've typically attacked him are vulnerable ones. Trump never really had good working relationships with them. These are people from back as far as the campaign were hesitant to support him. You know, I've always been lukewarm to him, so that's normal. And they haven't really done enough to, like, block his agenda that's going to make him fire off a tweet at like a Carlos Corbello, for example. And the conservative caucus in the House, the House Freedom Caucus, um, those members were skeptical of Trump during his campaign, but they've become a key ally now. Is that right? Yes. um, Much of the Freedom Caucus members during the presidential campaign had supported Senator Ted Cruz. Um, And a lot of them, after Trump won the nomination, did quickly endorse Trump. But I think, yeah, still weren't sure you know, what his presidency would mean. Trump, by most people's view, is not a traditional Republican. A lot of people say that, you know, the party was just the best vehicle for him to get elected. Um, He has does share some views with Democrats, like on trade, for example. Um, But since then, since he's got here, you know, he's been serious about reducing the size of government and in Washington and things that conservatives in the House really care about. And they also see his, like, kind of drain the swamp motto uh, align with their idea that we want to 
get rid of the bureaucracy and the way things are typically done in Washington. We want to do what's best for the American people. That's kind of like Trump's make America great again. He's, you know, it's for him, as he says, it's all about the people. So I think they all view themselves as Washington outsiders where there's, and there's this alliance and beliefs. Um, and I think they could certainly be aligned with him on the idea of let's shut down the government to show we're serious about, you know, our campaign promises. Now the big agenda item for the fall is tax reform. And Republicans are planning to use an obscure budgetary process called reconciliation to get that done. It would allow them to avert the filibuster, pass it with 51 votes in the Senate. Um, Trump raised the issue of reconciliation during his Phoenix speech, but it didn't necessarily help the cause. Why so? Well, he called it a trick, (laughs) said it doesn't matter. Um, He was specifically upset about the health care. They tried to move the health care bill through reconciliation. Um, and he had said, after calling it a trick, that you know there were certain limitations within the reconciliation rules, so they couldn't add policies that like are widely supported by Republicans. And this has been a complaint from the rank and file um, in the House. Like they wanted it has to be budgetary related, so they couldn't right. include you know, at policy changes that might have lured more Republican votes. Right. For example, on the health care bill, a lot of Republicans wanted a provision that would allow people to buy insurance across state lines. And that didn't meet the bird rule, um, which is the the term for the budget reconciliation rules standards. That say it has to do with the budget. Right. And so although he didn't specifically talk about it in the context of tax reform by calling it a trick, he is like raising the question of is this a valid process? Because there are also concerns, you know, by tax policy observers that reconciliation isn't the best move because the budget rules, even though tax is a little more fiscal in nature, the budget rules say that that a, an overall tax bill would have to be deficit neutral outside of the budget window, which is a 10 year window. So, you know, in 10 years, you've got to be raising revenue or at least neutral for these tax cuts to be considered permanent. Otherwise, they will sunset. If you want to cut taxes, that makes it pretty tough. Right. Otherwise, they will sunset after the end of 10 years. And they did that with the Bush tax cuts um, back when they passed those. But that created a lot of uncertainty for businesses who couldn't really plan. fiscal cliff. Right. Mm -hmm. And they couldn't plan that 10 years from now that these tax cuts will still be in place. So they could do some short-term investing, but people aren't going to invest long-term not knowing what the future looks like. And Republicans are very serious about wanting it to be permanent. But there's, at the moment, not <laughs> any offsets to get it there and because they got rid of the border mm-hmm. adjustment tax. Right. No uh, proposals to cut or, or to raise revenue in order to offset the cuts. There's this other dispute, Lindsay, between Senator McConnell and Trump over the legislative process. McConnell saying Trump oversimplifies. He, he thinks it's too easy. He sets these arbitrary deadlines. Um, is Trump oversimplifying? Certainly he did in Phoenix. Um, He was railing about the Obamacare vote, saying it was just one vote. We were one vote and we would have repealed Obamacare. Well, in reality, that one vote, he was really attacking attacking John McCain there in Arizona, even though he didn't name the senator um, by that one vote. But had they passed what that vote was, it was on an amendment to uh, the health care bill for skinny repeal. Had McCain voted for it or Susan Collins or Lisa Murkowski voted for it, those were the other two no votes. 
And the amendment passed, there still were a lot of steps in the process. They would ultimately had to pass a final version of that bill. At that point, their bill would have been much different from the House bill, so they would have had to gone to conference committee. And that, that was the whole point right. they so said no of that amendment. So no guarantee that that vote would have led to a health care, Obamacare repeal. No, it would have been months down the line that they might have gotten there. But Republicans still, I mean, people expected a lot more out of this unified Republican Congress than we've gotten so far, right? Oh, definitely. I, people expected what they were told, and the Republicans stood up at January in Philadelphia at their joint retreat, and Mitch McConnell stood by Paul Ryan as he said this, said they were going to do health care by spring and tax reform by August, and here we are. Mm-hmm. It's almost the end of August, and neither of those things made it to Trump's desk. So understandably, the president's frustrated because they were telling him that it would get done. So it's not just his oversimplification. It's a little both overpromising and oversimplifying. Gotcha. Thanks, Lindsay, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. I'm Sean Zeller. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and on NPR One.